why don't we have a look at a character in the scriptures who had some circumstances in their life at least a little bit similar to ours and see what God made of it. What did God do in this strange situation? And so we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and and his circumstances in his own personal lockdown scenario. And that's why we're in Acts 28, towards the end of the chapter there, where we find him essentially in lockdown. He is, is in his own rented house, but why is he in his own rented house in Rome? He's there because he's under arrest. He's under house arrest. He's been taken from Judea all the way eventually to Rome to face some kind of trial where his opponents are, help, are hoping to get him at least imprisoned, if not executed. And so Paul is in lockdown. So we're going to look at Paul in lockdown today, a couple of aspects of the way that God was able to use him, even in these challenging circumstances. And then next week, we might look at some more. We'll have to see about that. But this week, we're going to, to start with a couple of uh, things that we can see about Paul. And by the way, I just want to say this at the beginning here. In talking about the Apostle Paul, uh, it's not my desire or hope that I will uh, elevate, if you like, the example of the Apostle Paul so that we would think, well, I'm not as good as him. Uh, I hope you wouldn't feel like I'm using the example of the Apostle Paul to beat anybody over the head to say you should be more faithful. That's far from my thoughts, and I hope that's not how it comes across. The idea of looking at the Apostle Paul, and the reason why I think we have so many characters of Scripture recorded for us, is for us to remember they were ordinary people like you and I. They had the same kind of feelings as you and I, yet somehow they found a way for their faith to make a difference. And so this can be, hopefully today, an inspiration for us, to help us to trust in the power of God in our own lives, in the same way that the power of God was working through through the Apostle Paul. That's my hope for, for today. So he's in Rome. Let's set the context a little bit more. In verse 16 of the same chapter of, of Acts 28, when he got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Uh, there are fines for any of us who break the regulations, right? Uh, but at least you haven't got a guard stopping you from moving anywhere at all. But that's what Paul had. He had a guard there uh, all the time in, in what was probably quite a small house. And so he had a Roman guard, which must have been a rather intimidating circumstance. And he's there for two years, right? I think is it verse 30? Yes, for two whole years. Luke even emphasizes it as he records it. Not just two years, two whole years. So he's stuck at home for two years. I mean, no matter you, I... I get a bit stir crazy after a day at home or a week and we're all a bit stir crazy probably even though we can go out a little bit we'd like to be able to go out more he was stuck at home for two years that's an awfully long time to be in uh four, four walls so that's the circumstances we find him in there are two things i'd like to point out today that i see from his example that i think is just for me it's very inspiring the first is the way that he manages in these circumstances to find ways to encourage other fellow believers. He encourages other fellow believers. He's got a heart and a mind that's thinking about, even in this situation, what can I do 
to help my fellow believers. And so what does he do? Well, one of the things, he does several things. We'll talk more about perhaps next week. But one of the things he does is he writes several letters. I don't know if you remember what a letter is for the younger people on this call. Uh, it's a thing we used to write on a piece of paper and put in an envelope and in a post box. But it doesn't seem to happen very much these days. But anyway, he writes letters on scrolls, on parchment. And he writes, we don't know exactly how many letters he wrote. He probably wrote dozens and dozens. But we have at least four that we still have, which are called the prison epistles, because they were written while he was imprisoned uh, here in Rome. For example, the book of Philemon, or the little letter of Philemon that he writes to a fellow believer about Onesimus, who he converts while he's in this uh, house uh, arrest situation. But we'll talk about that maybe next week. But at the beginning of the book of Philemon, he says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, who's in the house with him, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. So he writes the beautiful book of Philemon. If you haven't read it, uh, we're not going to study it today. I'd encourage you to read that little book, that little letter, and think about it, not just what it's telling you, its main message, but think about the fact that Paul was writing it while he was in this prison situation. It, it sheds something, it, it makes it a deeper communication when you realize the circumstances he had. And then we also have, as well as that one, we have a longer letter, that of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, he writes to them, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. You notice how he begins the letter? Not, here I am, stuck in prison. Be sure to pray for me. He writes them and encourages them about their faith, giving, offering them uh, grace and peace. In chapter 4, verse 3 of Colossians, Pray for us too. So he does ask for prayers, but after he's been encouraging them for a while, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's there, imprisoned for this very reason. And then again in verse 10 of chapter 4, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings. So we had Timothy in the house there some of the time. He had Aristarchus in the house there with him some of the time. And he was in, effectively, prison. And then he writes the amazing book to the, to the Ephesians while he's also in this situation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's his letter to them. Chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Can you imagine the extra impact of his admonition here when he reminds them that he's writing them this encouragement while he's in prison? I think it would make them take his words more seriously or understand the gravity of what he's talking about. It helped them. I would suggest that him writing from prison had therefore more impact on them than if he was writing while he was not in prison because they know why he's there because he's been preaching the gospel and they know that he doesn't know if he's going to get out or if he's even going to live very long but he takes the time to write a letter to that church uh, in chapter 6 verse 19 also of ephesians pray also for me that whenever i speak words may be given me so that i will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. 
And normally an ambassador is one who roams freely to represent whoever they are ambassador for. That's the point. They go out there. But he says, I'm an ambassador in chains. So uh, the letter to the Ephesians. And then finally, the letter to the Philippians. My favorite of all these letters. Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, he's with him again. Servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. And he says in chapter 1, verse 13, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So we're going to talk more about this maybe next time, but the word spreads even though he's in chains. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, everyone else, that's why I'm here. And because of my chains, and this is an amazing thought, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and to dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, next time we'll talk more about proclaiming the gospel, but just the point here is, he's writing to them, reminding them, that him, them he's in chains, but helping them to understand this is advantageous for the gospel. Not, uh, it's, not a, it's not problematic in the same way that we would think it is. His movements are restricted, but the impact for Jesus is not. And that's so important for us to really trust and believe. We don't have the freedom we would like. We don't have the ability to move that we would like. It is a nuisance. It is a pain. It is hard. But with faith, with Christ, anything is possible. God is able to move, in fact, in new and different ways compared to the way that we thought he might move or thought he was capable of moving. And Paul sees this and he relays to that to, that, to the Philippians and the other letters he writes. He wants them to know that God is good and God is active and God is powerful. And so what do we see? We see that he wants to communicate in such a way to raise the faith level of the people he can connect with. I think you and I can do that. There are things we can't do, but there are many things that we can do. A question for us to think about is this, is how can we use the channels of communication available to us to encourage one another and people perhaps even beyond our congregation? What could we do? I've noticed, um, you know, I have a YouTube channel, as I think you know, and I've noticed I've acquired far more subscribers over the last few months than before. The number or the rate of increase of new subscribers has gone up rapidly. Uh, same thing with my newsletter from my website. I've had lots of new people subscribing. People want to connect. A lot of people are searching for things online now, as we know. We've seen more and more people coming to our services online here and elsewhere as people are seeking, they're looking. I wonder whether there's some ways in which we could communicate. You could use, we can use the channels that we have through uh, social media and everything else on our devices, but we could actually find some ways to encourage each other to communicate the faith to one another. Maybe we're not using it all as much as we could. Maybe you could write a blog. Maybe you could record a, a, a YouTube uh, a video. Maybe you could start a podcast. You might think, "Oh, that's too difficult." Listen. If I can do it, I'm sure you can. I figured it out. So I don't know what we should, could do. It's going to be different for each one of us. But maybe there's something we could do that we're not currently doing to help encourage people. So what I want to do is just ask the question here for a moment and get some sharing in the, um, in the chat box, or, or you can unmute yourself. Let's think about ourselves here for a minute. 
and about our own internal communication rather than out there. So I think there's out there, but there's also here. So let's think about here for the moment. I don't know about you, but there are some kinds of communication I find very helpful and encouraging, and there's some other kinds I don't. Now, um, so I, 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 and I'll just say this as a personal thing, and this is not to be uh, negative about it, it, this if it helps other people, but I don't tend to find sort of cutesy scriptures on colorful, nice uh, backgrounds with squiggles on uh, sent to me particularly helpful. Um, they're not bad. Other people love that stuff and that helps them, so that's fine. But if you really wanted to encourage me, don't just send me a scripture on a purple background. Um, so, but what the point I'm making here is that different people find different things meaningful in terms of encouragement. How often we like to hear from people, the kind of channels through whom we like to uh, get that encouragement and that connection. So let's, let's think for a minute about, speak for yourself, what do you find is helpful for you? What kind of communication do you prefer? What kind of communication is actually meaningful? What kind of communication or uh, method of communication works for you? How often do you like to hear from people? I think it'd be just helpful to hear from one another the kind of preferences that we have. I've definitely found for myself, um, I've spent almost eight hours a day, not quite, but somewhere between six and eight hours a day now with my work in front of my screen looking at flat faces and I've just realized a real need to just talk face to face with real people. Um, whereas in the past I was kind of like, I don't need too much of that. <laughs> I, I really need that now. I need to actually just get with someone and speak to them face to face. Um, I really miss that. Simone says, uh, spending time with people in person. Bill says, WhatsApp works for me. Dawn says, people asking how I am or asking about my specific situation. I love meeting people. It's really possible within the rules and being safe. Aneta says, I'm also a fan of WhatsApp. Lisa says, I'm the same as Stefan, face-to-face in nature. Oh, that's from Joe. I, li I like to debate things, actually, and really try to get people's views on things and how they're feeling and what things are saying to them and trying to work out I suppose you know what that means um, from a, a godly point of view and that that sort of sort of connection is, is I think is really valuable for me and you know I like to do that on a one-to-one -one or in a group basis or as a whole church. I can relate to Jane on that one I love um I love it when they're wrestling over scripture or trying to um, figure out what things mean for me, what God's showing to me. Um, you know, I, I like debating and talking about scripture with other people and how it, how they see things and how it fits into their life and how that can help each other. I, I, I kind of like. I feel like when then when, when you're talking to a brother or a sister, it's not just you guys talking, but you're talking about God's word. You're talking, there's kind of three people talking in some senses. That makes sense. Mm. <laughs> As you both try so and figure it out. What, what you're saying is you 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 like a good argument. <laughs> yeah, I, love I can that. vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't relate in any way at all to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Penny posted the, it's the same for me, Joe and Stefan, uh, referring to meeting face-to-face -face in nature. Uh, Tinder says catching up in person. And then the Palmers say scriptures, weekly phone calls, texts, texts, and meeting up where possible. Everything, basically. Everything. Like everything. I like it when we go to the pub with Malcolm and Malcolm pays for the drinks. <laughs> can, I just, can I just say that in debating, what I like most is to be wrong or to feel that I've learned something yeah. or to, to value somebody else's opinion above my own. I don't know what that means, being wrong. I'm <laughs> 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 not being a goody two-shoes. We're, we're a perfect <laughs> match, Jamie and you. You can be wrong, I'll be right. <laughs> I just I feel that <laughs> because I'm a bit steeped in my own opinion sometimes. So actually, when somebody trumps me, I quite enjoy it. Liesl posted um, a variety of ways, re-listening to messages, uh, finding and seeing new things. Bill says, I really enjoy my Friday meetings with my Christian group from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Well, so one last thing, and I've been speaking too much. One, one thing I've been doing a lot recently is... Um, listening to a lot of YouTube apologetic stuff, mm -hmm. uh, like double Dracovy stuff, but various people. Um, and I, I have this longing to watch it with somebody else to see, get their views on it, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what, what can help other people, mm. uh, Christians and, you know, how would you, does that make sense? I'm really trying to defend the Bible and defend my faith, but getting other people's take on what's been spoken about. So about, yeah. Super. I'll need to move on to our second point here in a second, but this is really, really helpful. I think one of the things I wanted us to notice about this is that we have different preferences. And I think to do our best to be sensitive to those. On the other hand, we need to be grateful that anybody wants to be in touch, even if it's not in the method we would like, right? So what I said earlier about sending me scriptures on a cute background doesn't really encourage me that much. Doesn't mean I'm not grateful, because I'm actually grateful you thought about me and want to communicate something positive. So I, I'm, that's, I'm going to remain grateful, but there are other things um, that really are more deeply meaningful to me, and I'm sure there are for you. So I think as we, we develop the deeper relationships, the idea is to become more aware of what really, what actually helps each other, and to preferably go out of our way to meet that need. The Apostle Paul could not go and preach in the synagogues, could not go and visit the church in Ephesus, but he could write a letter. There wasn't more, really much else he could do for the channels that he had to be able to encourage these other Christians, but he did what he could. And we're all very grateful. Let's face it. I mean, we've got the books of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and the book of Philip and the epistle to Philippi, uh, to, the, to Philemon. We've got all of this amazing, deep, meaningful content that is spiritually rich, theologically just amazing. And think about this. Um, maybe Paul wouldn't have written those, book, those books if he hadn't been in this situation. And so maybe, I mean, don't know that God caused it all exactly this way, but I love the fact that Paul by faith saw there was something positive that could come out of this. And we 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, are still benefiting from Paul's lockdown. So who knows? about the long-term spiritual benefit to not only us, but other people we may not even ever know 
from what happens to us and through us in a time like this. So I'd like to encourage us to think carefully and prayerfully about how we can communicate encouragement and faith to one another meaningfully as we go forward. So that's the first thing we see here about Paul. Secondly, prayer. The other thing that Paul does while he's in his lockdown situation is he he focuses, he emphasizes prayer. He's doing a lot of praying. Let me illustrate this with a few scriptures, which I'll just read for us in Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Continually asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And he goes on to tell them some of the things he's praying about for them. That's the Colossians. The Ephesians. Ephesians 1.15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking. I keep asking. So he's going, he's continuing in prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he goes on and that's just a beautiful prayer. Very meaningful, I think, for those who received it. Again, uh, later on in Ephesians, in verse, where are we? Get the right verse. In chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Gosh, he's kneeling. He's telling them, I'm kneeling for you. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, I mean, I'm praying this and I'm praying that and I'm, I'm kneeling and I'm asking. He wants them to know how much it matters to him that he's able, and he's able to pray for them. And the Philippians as well. The Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 9. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is my prayer for you, Philippians. This is my prayer for you, Ephesians. This is my prayer for you, Colossians. You know, uh, one of the things that apparently is the case, according to research people, is that more people are praying now during the lockdown period, the COVID period, than before. I think it's great that more people are praying. I also wonder whether we could do more praying. Perhaps we can do less activities outside the home. Perhaps we can spend less physical time with people than we would like. But perhaps part of what's good coming out of this is that we can pray more. Pray more specifically. You'll notice that in these letters, Paul writes similar things, but not exactly the same things for the Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians. And I guess that's because he knows what they have some needs in one place that is different to another. So as we pray for each other, perhaps we could be praying for each other and praying about the different needs that we have, different situations that we have. How might we be able to grow in our prayer life because of this situation? How might we be able to grow in, in our depth and our relationship with God 
and even in praying perhaps together, because we could pray together, even if it is on the phone or online, how might our relationships in prayer develop? What might we get to learn about God as we pray more than ever before? Because we have the opportunity. We have challenges here, but we have an opportunity. I usually have a book on prayer on the go pretty much all the time, uh, but I'm reading about more than one at the moment. Uh, the one I'm focused on right now is a book called How to Pray, which I'm putting in the chat box a picture of, which is by Pete Gregg, who some of us will know his brother, James Gregg. And uh, so Pete has written this book, amongst other books, he's got a real thing about prayer. And I'm uh, reading that book at the moment as part of the uh, Renovare Book Club, which I'm part of, which you could join if you wanted to. I'm going to put that a document in the um, chat box as well about that. I'm hosting a book club uh, with the Renovare organization at the moment, um, which is focused at the moment on that book, How to Pray. And I've also been uh, using a new app that I discovered called Lectio 365, which I've also put the JPEG of it in the chat there, uh, which is a 10-minute devotional prayer focus. Uh, each day. So I'm doing that first thing in the morning before I have my own sort of extemporary time of prayer with God, which I'm enjoying. I've only been doing that for a week, so I can't, I can recommend it, but only on a week's basis, if you understand what I mean. Um, I would hope that my prayer life will develop more because of the different circumstances I'm in. What about all of us thinking about how could our devotional life grow in a way that it otherwise might not have? So let's also stop for a moment for a bit of sharing uh, on in the chat box or, or unmuting yourself as to what kinds of things help you to grow in your prayer life or what is helping you to deepen your prayer life. What could help and what does help? What helps us to grow in prayer? What helps us to grow in our devotional times with God, our times of quiet with God? What sort of things help you? I've... Um... It's something I've learned over the years, actually. It's not necessarily just recently. Um, it's uh, something I learned from Liesel. When, as a young disciple, I prayed speaking loud, like we kind of speaking prayer. And then I noticed uh, Liesel praying silently. And for me, that was kind of a strange concept. And, and hmm. first time I tried it, I was like in... Nah, this doesn't work. <laughs> the moment I don't speak with my mouth, my mind goes in all kinds of different directions. But over the years, I've learned and actually learned to enjoy and learned a new depth of prayer in silent prayer. And um, kind of in my inner spirit, going to God rather than speaking aloud. Uh, and, and and that's really deepened my my prayer life. And um, in in a, in a very unique, different way, the Palmers say the Lord's Prayer. I love that. Yeah, that's always a um, very helpful to kind of think about what um, what can I pray for. Um, the simplicity yet the depth of it is is great. Um, John O'Lynn uh, says, Peter Gregg has a YouTube prayer course. Good one. That's from John O'Lynn. 
Yeah, I've been looking into that, by the way. And um, in fact, Pete Gregg's book that I've referenced there is based on the Lord's Prayer. It follows that pattern all the way through. And there's some very good prayer suggestions on the on the website. And it just says, when I start the day with a decision to not worry more for me, but to allow the Lord to take lead more, I can focus on other needs to bring them to Him. Um, I think I'm reading this book by, uh, called Prayer by Timothy Keller. And that also is quite, it has helped me a lot and just transform my view of different types of prayers and just also being consistent has helped me like dedicating a special time and trying to keep to that just helps me zone in and be in tune with god especially over the lockdown so but that book by timothy keller is really really good and i also do like daily devotions having a focus is quite nice something to pray around and focus on this Focus scripture as well is good. It is a good book. Um, that's what it looks like. Uh, read it a little while ago. It's very, very helpful in many ways. Um, so, yes, I can recommend that. We have some more comments in the chat. Uh, Dawn says, Nature always helps. Allowing myself to pray what I need to pray and not what I think God wants to hear. Great. Not that I don't ensure I worship Him, but I understand God takes some. Some here and now as I am. Not sure I realized that before in my early years as a disciple. Uh, Patricia says, taking time out, going somewhere private in intervals during the day, being open in prayer with God. Leo says, making the decision repeatedly to focus on prayer. Or when someone in my life is doing that. Recently, my mum is focusing on deepening her prayer life. And I think Liesl says that helped her again as well to open, to deepen her own prayer life. Uh, Joe says, sometimes whispering when praying in the woods, not wanting to disturb the silence. Knowing God is walking amongst the trees near me, listening to what I say. Wow. I, I would suggest that probably most of us know at least some of the things that help our prayer life be real, meaningful, deep and, and deepening. Um, maybe now is the time to think through those and to, to ask ourselves whether we're using the, the, the resources we have to deepen our walk with God. This could be the best time ever in your prayer life. It could be that this challenging time could be the time when your prayer life deepens the most that it has for months or even years. Who knows? One of the things the Apostle Paul could not do was visit those people. But one of the things he could do was pray for them in a meaningful way and communicate his prayers to them in a meaningful way. And I think we can do that. And if that was something that the Apostle Paul did, that's something that we can commit ourselves to. Encouraging each other and praying for each other and deepening our prayer life. These are things we can do. And the value in those is immense. Those are not small things. Those are not secondary things. They are, they are huge. Let's wrap up with a couple of scriptures here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Paul's talking about what he's going through here. And what I want to focus on as we go towards the cross is his perspective on what's been happening. He says in Colossians 1, 24, Now I rejoice 
in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul could see that his incarceration was meant to be for the development and the growth and the maturation of the Colossians. And even though they were so far apart in such different circumstances, Paul knew that what was happening with him was helping them because it was about Jesus, about Christ's afflictions. It's about his body. It's about what Jesus is doing, not what the virus is doing, not what Boris is doing, not what your boss is doing. It's about what Jesus is doing, what he's allowing and what he can do through all of this, uh, these situations. One last passage. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. And by the way, I want to thank Stefan for putting all the scriptures in the uh, chat box there. I'll send out a handout with everything on as well afterwards. But in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, he says this. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So he doesn't know if he's coming out of the prison, this, this uh, house arrest. And ultimately he does, but at this point he doesn't know. He does get executed later, but he doesn't know. It's just as likely that he may face execution at this time. But he says, whether it's life or death for me in my lockdown, I hope that Christ will be exalted. Christ will be exalted. And that's why we gather here. And that's why we reflect on these things. And that's why we try to be our best for God. It's why we hold on to our faith, even through turbulent times. It's because we want Christ to be exalted, and he deserves to be. And he deserves to be exalted because he's expressed his love for us in dying on the cross. That's why, that's why we take bread and wine right now. We take bread and wine to celebrate and remind ourselves of Christ's love for us. And to allow that to inspire us to trust him in these circumstances and in the meantime to live a life of faith. Faith expressing itself through love, as it says in Galatians 5, which in this context today is about encouraging each other through connecting and communicating with each other, expressing the love of God for one another, and also in doing our best to, to find meaningful ways to pray together and for one another that will help us help us to exalt Christ in our lives. So let's pray before we take that bread and wine. Let's pray.